the incomparable. Number 121. December 2012. We're back on the Incomparable Podcast. I'm Jason Snell, and we're here in what we like to call a flash podcast, which means I don't edit it. We just post it after we talk for a little bit. And we're doing that because it's Christmas, and by tradition, we're here after watching uh, the now-traditional Doctor Who Christmas special. Joining me to do a brief rundown on our thoughts about uh, Christmas with the Doctor 2012 edition, The Snowmen is the name of the episode. Joining me are Dan Morin. Hi, Dan. Merry Christmas. God bless us, everyone. And Serenity Caldwell. Merry Christmas, Jason. Is there snow where you are? There is lots of snow. There seems to be more snow. Hopefully no scary snow-eating monsters, though. All right. Hopefully we'll we'll get uh, this all recorded before you're inundated by snow. But that's very festive. And Scott McNulty is also here. He's coming to us live from his home. <laughs> Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> How's it going, Scott? Uh, it is going well. Merry Christmas to Merry all. To all, and to all a good night. But that's not the end of but the podcast. But not quite yet. But not quite yet. Uh, so, The Snowmen, um, what, did, what did everybody think? I thought this was interesting in that it was... Um, it, was seems, it seemed to be trying to do something very different. We had, I, I think, not since... Maybe the first Christmas special with David Tennant, where the, the the Christmas invasion, where they had to introduce a new Doctor. Since then, we've had a lot of Christmas specials, I guess, and the one where David Tennant ends up ultimately regenerating. All the others generally have just been kind of telling a Christmassy story, and that didn't. This felt like the whole point of this episode was to kick off this sort of new storyline and new era with a with a new companion. So it felt really different from most of the Christmas specials that they've done up to now. Yes. Yeah, there's thought, lots of thought, new stuff too, right? I thought that was a good thing. Without but without what I liked was that they introduced a lot of new stuff without breaking too much. I mean, with references to stuff that had already gone by. So it was not, you know, Doctor Who can never be in a vacuum. It's got so much history. So after the last season, which seemed like it's always silly when you have a show and it feels like, oh, really momentous things happen and then very soon we forget about those momentous things because that is the nature of how television works. Whereas, you know, in this show it was you know, predicated on the fact that ter- terrible things had happened. And so we don't simply whitewash them or sweep them under the rug. You know, we acknowledge them. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a new era. And, uh, and uh, interesting, he says something about more than a thousand years of saving the universe, which usually he, he, uh, he doesn't peg his age at four digits. So uh, the impression that you get is that he's been kind of moping for a while and Madame Vastra and Strax and Jenny have been complaining that he doesn't you know, want to engage in, in the world and do what we know him to do because he's sad because of what happened with Amy and I guess Rory, but Amy, right? So, uh, so, so they have to like get him to snap out of it. Didn't we already establish him as over a thousand years old when he does the thing in Utah? Yeah, when he fakes his death. I guess they, it's they supposed sort of to be twelve hundred years. I, I thought. I guess that's true. I I, I can't even I can't even yeah. keep track well, anymore. Time travel. Yeah, it's it's hard. But um, but anyway, he's been moping for a long time when when they meet him and they're trying to get him to snap out of it. And he has actually, you know, before the credits even start, he has his traditional meet cute with a new companion. And the episode, uh, you know, tries to basically have the doctor push her away. So so trying to go against our expectation, knowing that this is the new companion. Um, and Stephen Moffat keeps doing that with his character, which is, you know, that's what he tends to do is try to try to go against. Uh, 
against audience expectations a little bit. And so that was kind of fun to see him just insist that that he wasn't going to get drawn into this um, this little dance that's it's almost like a courtship that he's done so many times before and he's just not going to do it. But, of course, he inevitably does. It's true. And it's moreover like a courtship than any previous companion to date, I think. I mean, he's definitely much more forward with uh, with our new Clara than he is with even with Amy. Um, it's, I mean, they... They get to share a Christmas kiss, which is impressive. Uh, and she really does, she matches him wits, wit for wit for wit, joke for joke, uh, without feeling like a copy of Amy. She has her a very distinct personality, uh, the new companion, which I'm rather delighted about. Uh, and I think it's hilarious. Her introduction is great because she's already very... She's very inquisitive and very curious, and I love the moment where the doctor's like, "Oh no, no, you're you're not going to follow me." Well, okay, if you're going to follow me, well then I'm going to have to go and wipe your memory, uh, and <laughs> comedy of errors ensues. <laughs> the memory worm. Oh, I do, the memory worm. I did worm. enjoy. I did enjoy Strax. I thought he was an excellent addition to this episode. Well, they killed him, and 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 so to see him back, it's like, wait a second, didn't he die? And they said, yeah, well, she brought him back. She does that sometimes. Yay. But aren't they also isn't aren't they all clones too? The Centaurans are. Yeah, but I think this. I think the implication is that this is just the same Strax, and that Madame Vastra didn't want to didn't want to have him stay dead, so she found a way to revive him. But um, he was hilarious, right? I mean, I, I this episode was much funnier than than I expected, given the the promos, which were all like, "Oh, it's scary, they're killer snowmen," but no, nah, it was funny and and you know and light and meeting a new companion and stuff like that. I mean, not there was without, only one scene a, of snowmen eating each other. Only one. Well, not to mention, you know, there was, I guess, depending on how you look at it, at least one sad scene. Well, <laughs> um, yes. us getting ahead of ourselves. But I was going to say, I think after after the you know second half of the most recent season, which I think we all kind of panned for the most part. Yeah, it was um, disappointing. This seemed much more like kind of what I, you know, what I love from Stephen Moffat, right, and what I love about Doctor Who. You know, this this seemed much to hit the tone a lot better. I think they had built up so much heaviness and so much import with all of the events of the Amy and Rory seasons. There was oh, yeah. just it was sort of collapsing under its own weight. Whereas the ability to start fresh with a, especially with sort of a a hero archetype, the reluctant hero archetype. You know, I think it it plays very well, and I think it works really well. And I felt like, yeah, maybe all the other seasons were just kind of building to this point. This seems like more fun. <laughs> Well, you know what? It reminds me a lot of the end of the David Tennant years and the beginning of the Matt Smith years, where you had, you know, David Tennant's last couple of big things were these awful, well, not awful, but like very heart-rending, very serious, big things are happening miniseries. And then when they brought, and when Moffat brought the series back to Stephen Moffat, it was like, oh, right, the doctor, he can be fun again. He can wear bow ties and bow ties are cool. And I felt like a, a reset without necessarily resetting any of the last couple of years. Yeah, that whole Pond story arc being out of the way, it was right. It weighed down. Um, it weighed the whole story down to be, oh, serious things are coming. And we, we, you know, when we, and we talked about that. I overall, I think I enjoy the uh, the special, but it did for some reason. Uh, just I, I couldn't hold my attention. I kept drifting away from it and looking at other things. When usually, the uh, Christmas special and most episodes of Doctor Who really keep my attention. I don't know what it was. Uh, perhaps because I found the snow monsters mostly ridiculous, and I was 
puzzled as to why uh, the new companion was so intent on following doc- the doctor when they met the first time. It didn't really make much sense to me. Um, Curiosity. Yeah. Or there's more guess, to that story. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and, that, and then so at the end, it kind of made sense so that you can say that, you know, maybe the, the universe is, is keeps making them come in contact again and again so that you can explain away that with a typical Doctor Who waving of hands, I suppose. Uh, but I didn't know that until the end. So I was just kind of right. annoyed until the end. And I thought the end brought it together nicely. So that was good. But um, I thought there were a lot yeah. of really nice scenes, including I really enjoyed the the one-word answer scene with Madame Castra, oh, yeah. which was... Words. Yeah, the, and especially the one, what's the one word that's going to convince him to come, to come help you? Pond. Pond. Uh, we were watching <laughs> um, that um, with, with some friends and having them slowly work over there in their heads, like, what, what's the word going to be? What's the word going to be? Children? Christmas? Pond, pond, pond. <laughs> yeah, that was a nice scene. I really liked the scene with the umbrella where she has to suss out what the plan is. Um, and the little and bit the of role nod. reversal. Yeah, the role reversal leading up to that with the whole, no, I do the hand grabbing. That's my job. That's always my job. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and we get yeah. the subtle reveal that Clara is perhaps not just Clara. With, you know, <gasps> does it have a kitchen? Well, I I'm rather fancy making souffles. Yes. And of dun, course, dun, dun. yeah, we, <laughs> we should I, I, mention on the flashcast that the actress who plays Clara is also the actress who plays Oswin Oswald in Asylum what, of the, the Daleks. Yes. Yes, yes. The first episode back of the second half of the season. Yeah, maybe the best episode of that group. But it um, is true. Uh, but uh, yeah, she did. And, and, uh, and now she's back. And I think you said that they had a subtle Thing. They did have a subtle thing, and then later they had the not subtle thing, in not case so you subtle. missed the subtle thing, which was a little... Like, it is for kids, and people don't remember what happened six months ago, but really it was like, fla- wait, I remember her from before. Flashback clip from episode, this is like that. Repeat her dialogue, repeat her dialogue again, repeat her dialogue, repeat her dialogue again. Got it. Check. Wait, I, I what are you Just saying? Just in case you weren't listening. Are you saying she might be the same person as when she was in the show a few weeks ago? No, that's impossible. Huh. And then they kept showing the tombstone. Did, did, I, yeah. assume, I assume Jason caught the joke on the tombstone. Yeah, her birthday is the uh, date that Doctor Who first aired. Uh, not not yeah. the year, but the date. It's November what 23rd. So, yeah. Yep. I did not catch that. Although, when I was reading um, the AV Club's review of the, the Snowman episode... Uh, did anybody else catch the fact that uh, the Great Intelligence is a second Doctor <laughs> villain? So, so this is essentially a prequel to the Yeti episodes of the Patrick Troughton era, and that that's something that if you don't know it, it just sort of lays there. But it, 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 the extra fan service is him saying, "Well, it seeps into the ground," and you told it about the London Underground being a good place, and they need to find, and they're basically setting up that then this Great Intelligence does come back in those Second Doctor episodes from the late '60s. Um, also, the Great Intelligence voiced by Ian McKellen. Interesting. Isn't that nice? Uh, also a nice or Magneto. Play, uh, uh, Richard Grant 
as the villain. Yeah, Richard E. Grant. Um, mm-hmm. Who I believe, did he not play the a doctor. version of the Doctor? Yes, Richard E. Grant was, um, the BBC website apparently decided at some point that Doctor Who, in about 2004, <laughs> that Doctor Who was never going to come back. So they cast Richard Grant as the Doctor in, in what was going to be a series of web, like flash animation, uh, audio plays of, of Doctor Who. And then they, they posted one and, and somebody tapped somebody on the shoulder and said, Actually, we cast Christopher Eccleston, and it's coming back. I'm like crap! So he he's he also, basically the alternate ninth Doctor that never was. He, he also appeared in Doctor Who and the Curse of Fatal Death, the spoof. Yes, as a Doctor. Ah, yes. It, 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 apparently, according to Wikipedia, as the quite handsome Doctor. Oh dear! <laughs> well, but not not Hugh Grant. Not but, so neutral, yeah. Wikipedia. But not Jim Broadbent. He was. There were all Doctors in there. And the Curse of Fatal yes. Death. Well, I, I, I'm a fan of Richard Grant since he uh, appeared in one of my favorite awful movies, Hudson Hawk. Oh. Um. He, plays, he plays a villain in Hudson Hawk. And another villainous turn here. Of course, he is much, much older. <laughs> yes. Yes. That, that, that happens. And I did like when uh, he his character meets Madame Vastro, whatever her name is, and uh, uh, so he, he alludes to the fact that Sherlock Holmes is based on her, and he says... Uh, you know, people would be shocked to find out that Sherlock Holmes is based on, uh, and then of course, you know, she's a lizard alien. So you think he's going to say alien, but in fact, he says woman. And I found that quite uh, entertaining. Victorian and then, and then, values. And then an allusion towards her relationship with her, with her assistant, to yes. whom she is married. They're married. Yes, not an illusion. There, Nothing that, scandalous about that. That was a funny line. The um, what is wrong with Victorian values? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just a little, lot, lot of, lot of smart, um, funny stuff. Fun to have it be set in the past, but with a crazy sci-fi gang. I had that feel, um, and the show doesn't do it that often. But, but with um, the Doctor and Clara and and Strax and uh, Madame Vastra and Jenny, that you have this, you know, it's this ensemble, it's the gang, and the, it's the Victorian Doctor Who gang, and they solve crimes. <laughs> and I, I, I love that. I mean, I, whenever there's. Um, uh, I mean, obviously, I think Stephen Moffat loved it because he got this group together for A Good Man Goes to War and said, that was great. Let's do that again. We killed Strax. We'll bring him back. Just come on. And, you know, it was just a lot of not only funny, but it's fun to see that oddball collection of characters and placing them in the past like that where there's no, you know, <laughs> understanding of aliens and things like that. Uh, hilarious. I thought that was a really a really funny thing for them to do. Why shouldn't the doctor travel alone? Because it's much more fun to watch him interact with other people. It's true. I think that the the, the Victorian gang should get their own spin-off series. I wonder actually about that. I, I Sarah kinda Jane got that. hers. It's not terribly out of the ordinary. Yeah. Oh, we should talk about Sherlock Holmes. The doctor. Oh, yeah. The doctor is Sherlock Holmes in an episode written by the executive producer of Sherlock. Um, except that Sherlock Holmes is a fictional detective in this world, uh, but he does his. You know, you have a, do you have a dog named Colin? No, I thought not. <laughs> I love his incredibly I outrageous deductions. I believe deductions. it was a fish, actually. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> the fish that did not bark. Oh, God. I, I, I just, I love how outrageous he is at the top of that. Where he's like, he is. I'm going to portray this fictional character in your world as bombastically as possible and then when i get down to the deductions that i'm actually good about i'm going to be right on the money all the time yeah interesting um performance by matt smith i mean he is trying to show that he that he's 
progressed and the doctor has progressed a little bit and he's familiar, but at the same time, I mean, they changed his wardrobe um, and he's a little more reluctant and you know, it was, it was, it was nice to see him again after not seeing him for a little while since the last episode. And, but, but I did get the sense that they, they tonally, it was, it was different and the wardrobe helps a lot and he's got that hat and he's got his coat and uh, you know, the doctor seems to change clothes so infrequently he's lived a thousand years and he's had about 12 outfits right so well, yeah but i thought that i thought the significance of that was that you know he had he had assimilated to a certain extent yeah. he'd been there a long time so he had he'd lost his particular garb and instead yeah. sort of blended in which he doesn't do very well living on his cloud oh and I the love giant spiral castle on a cloud yeah we do have to i think we do have to give a shout out to i think what was the in my opinion, perhaps the best line of the episode, which was Clara when first confronted with the TARDIS and walks around it. It's smaller declares, on the outside. Smaller on the outside. I've never heard that that's one before. That's a first. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's... And, and the, the TARDIS has a new interior design. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which I quite like. It's very very reminiscent of a lot of the older doctors. Yeah, it reminds me of the of the white, the, you know, the white console room from the from the... 80s especially but you know it does predate that uh new opening credit sequence that reminded me of some of the other um opening credit sequences the the translucent doctor who faces back yeah yeah although although it was kind of you know it's 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 more subtle because he's like his face is in the nebula (laughs) basically we've we've learned a lot about special effects in the last 30 years and astronomy but uh, but yes, it's uh, it was uh, there's definitely some callbacks. I get the feeling that we are just about to plunge into um, a year of massive Doctor Who nostalgia, just because it is the 50th anniversary year, and so and you know the people running the show are well aware of the show's history, and so I think you know you're going to see things like the like the Great Intelligence and uh, uh, and uh, references to the Second Doctor and and things like the title sequence being. Um, much more like the old style title sequences, right down to the the Doctor's face appearing in it. I, I have to say, you know, vis a vis Clara, I, I really am impressed that they managed to find an actress who I think has as much chemistry with Matt Smith as uh, as uh, I've already forgotten her name. That's awful. Amy Pond, Karen Gillan. Yeah, Karen Gillan. Yeah, Karen Gillan has, except very and yet extremely well, different. Yeah, well, she's, like, sh- she's much shorter. Chemistry. Yes, that's for one thing, and much <laughs> really less red-haired. Um, but I, you know, the fact that the, the they do have a very different relationship. It is totally feels very different from his relationship with Amy, who is yeah. a bit more sarcastic, a bit more cynical. Whereas I think Clara has a little bit more, almost like wide-eyed, almost naivete. Um, and I think it's, but it's they still have an excellent, excellent you know, repartee going on there. Well, in the, yeah, in the well, spectrum of Stephen Moffat uh, women characters, she's more on the river song end, I think, in the sense that, you know, Amy, you know, he he was the childhood friend of Amy. But whereas with Clara, I don't know, she just seems to be, you know, really snarky and, and smart and competent. And I don't know, it's a very different kind of feel than, than the Amy relationship. You're absolutely right about that. But I felt that in Asylum of the Daleks, too, that she's got this, she's got lots of comebacks and she's really, she's, you know, she's quick with a, with a rejoinder and doesn't well, take him seriously. But they're not as snarky, right? Like that's Amy was always oh, very yeah. snarky and, and she's more earnest, but almost more. She's trying to outdoctor the, the doctor. Of humor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I like I mean Amy was always running away whereas Clara I feel like is running to adventure. And Amy's yes. just like, "Oh, let's let's run away, let's go, 
you know, so not confront the present. And, yeah. yeah. And Clara being, all right, forward ho, let's go into the great unknown and find out what's out there and fix fix things. Uh, it's a good note for the doctor to go back adventuring out on, especially a doctor that's been hurt and trying to run away. Well, he walks out on her, you know, and she follows him around the corner. And then he takes off and she runs and jumps on the carriage, right? So she, you know, she she is pursuing him. And, uh, you know, who knows what the overarching story is going to be because she does die in this episode just as she dies in Asylum on the Daleks. And I'd say that was a spoiler, but I mean, clearly I wasn't actually surprised that she died because we've seen her die before. And I'm like, all right, this is going to be, it's already a weird situation that we've seen her once. So why not kill her again? And then you really ask yourself, what, what is going on here? Is she now Kenny from South Park? Known as the, the Roy Williams syndrome. Yeah, really. Except she's really dying and then just, you know, reappearing. So she's obviously not what she's seems whether she knows that or not uh and that's that's interesting uh, you know it could be a good story arc or it could be a bad one and, and i think yeah, to, well, Ren's, to ren's point it makes a really good job of giving him something to go because it's the end episode leaves off with him going off in search of her and right you know that that gives him something well and us which and, he hasn't had for a while and us seeing her at the gravestone in the present ish um as a modern person to giving us the, you know, this isn't, you know, there are more of her out there, right? Yeah. Well, that would be well for sad, the, but... uh, it was only those two. Sorry, yeah. doctor. You're going to be wandering for a very long time. Sad. Uh, I speculated with Dan before the, the episode started. I was like, well, maybe they're going to do almost a different vein of the river song story where he just keeps on meeting her at various points in time as different people and trying to solve the mystery of that. And it looks like instead they've done a future version, a past version, and they're going to go with the the present version of Clara, but who knows how long you'll have with her. And I mean, it's still, I think it could be a very compelling mystery if Stephen Moffat can hold on to the reins and not, you know, let it get out of control. She could die at any time and then they'll just bring her back the next week. Get the other one yeah. back in, yeah. Maybe she'll die every week. Oh. How does she die? I mean, week? they oh, did kill Rory, so they yeah. need a new death of the week. Yeah, maybe. There's some added... Yeah, it's it's funny. It's weird. I mean, obviously, this is... Like I said, Stephen Moffat is all about trying to... Um, go against fan expectations, viewer expectations. And, and so with this, it's a, you know, he's trying to create a companion story that you haven't seen before, which is every time you meet her, she dies. So what's the deal with that? She keeps coming back. Um, and presumably tied in uh, in some way to the 50th anniversary story because we're, you know, they're counting down to it now. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. You know, it's I, I like their chemistry. I think it's uh, I think it's fun. So hopefully it was so sad when she died and we'll never see her again, except she's all over the trailer. So we will. Whew. Dodge Thanks the bullet. For, Thanks for that. Yeah. Whew. Uh what other thoughts? Any other thoughts? Do you like it? Like it generally? I mean, I, I thought it was. I was surprised by the tone, but but I did, you know, I did find it fun, and I was kind of glad that it was more fun sitting with my kids. I was glad that it was more fun and less scary because those snowmen look scary. Yeah, yeah look I mean, a I was, little bit scary, but, but yeah, teeth. I was glad that there weren't that many. Go ahead, Scott. No, that was me. I was just saying the teeth. The teeth. They're scary. The teeth. The teeth are very scary. Yeah, um, I really like the tone of the episode. I mean, the Christmas specials are, by and large, I feel, a little bit geared 
to be family friendly yes, crowd or pleasers. And, uh, yeah i mean it's christmas day no one wants to see lots of sadness on christmas day and the fact that they were able to kill clara and still make it a fairly lighthearted episode and be like yeah hey pissed you know she's, she's still around kids don't get don't actually cause all of your snow to melt outside <laughs> and big salty tears it's okay um they they managed to create a nice compact little arc and sure there are like little bits and pieces that felt a little rushed but i actually i feel like this was a lot better story than stephen moffat's told in a while and he managed again he managed to keep the reins on it and he told a relatively nice compact story that had a beginning a middle and an end and the villain didn't was was not completely out of comprehension but i didn't some some doctor who stories and even some christmas uh specials for doctor who i go into it at the end of the episode i'm just scratching my head and i'm like that is completely unbelievable and i don't understand I mean, yes, you can get away with a little bit of villain incomprehensibility, but I, I generally want to more or less understand why the villain is doing what they're doing. And so the, the Doctor Who, do, I mean, the, the villain in this story is not entirely two-dimensional. He has a little, a little bit of character coloring. Um, again, very, very Scrooge-esque, very reminiscent of villains past for Christmas settings although sadly he does not get to be redeemed he gets to die of icy husk but you know well, not everybody can have a happy ending he gets memory wormed and then possessed and then is dead sorry he's not having a pretty good day merry christmas richard maybe he should have gone and played with those kids yeah yeah he was he was a sociopath from the beginning he didn't want to play with anybody he just wanted to sit there and, and play with the snowman and not talk to any of the other kids and his parents are like boy johnny he's um Go play with the kids. No. Oh well. And they go back inside. It's cold out here. Oh well. Talk to your talk to your little imaginary snowman friend. We tried our best. Sure, nothing bad will happen. Fifty no. years oh, later. No. Has he been collecting little bits of snow and talking to the giant snow globe for fifty years? Apparently. Wow. I know my wife would appreciate the use of jars in the episode, so that's a plus. Yes. Evil, jars. evil thinking snow crystals in jars. Exactly. Hooray. Yeah, it's I guess he's collecting park, them. By the way. I, I got, you know, I'm not sure how coherent the snow uh, plot is. It's pretty not coherent if you think about I, it. I, I, I think my feeling about it is that it, it, it was clearly not the point and not that important. And so I didn't start to apply a lot of. Uh, logic to it because it it really seemed to be beside the point that like you know suffice it to say there's some threats and it's and it's uh moody but uh you know the when when it all turns to rain and solves everything it's like well people nearby the globe were sad it's like really (laughs) that's all you need you just need uh, a, a family to cry on christmas eve and, and everything uh, is broken. Everything's fine. All evil snowmen go away, except for the family, because they're very sad. Exactly. I mean, I think it was the ending was definitely a little bit of a Deus Ex Machina. But that said, the plot itself made a fair amount of sense to me. Where it's you know you have antisocial boy um, who basically embodies this relatively lifeless parasite with an evil, you know, malicious intent, and oh. I want to be alone because alone is the best and everybody sucks. 
So I'm going to create an entire snowman army of people sure. who think that, like, I mean, it's silly and it's outrageous, but it feels it feels very Doctor Who, and it also feels very real and very Christmassy at the same time. Because I think about how many Christmas stories we've heard about, you know, owners and outcasts and people who don't believe in the goodness of others and, and living snowmen too. And living snowmen. Frosty usually doesn't have those uh, scary teeth, but you know, really. Thank goodness. No, actually, the, the the part about it where it fell apart for me is the uh, the the old the ice nanny <laughs> who emerges <laughs> and and then and then attacks them. She and, is the clue. Yeah, you know, I guess you know, I don't know. That seemed weird because I, I I was hoping that they were headed for a, a you know she's important and she's going to rise and she's the she's. Uh, I expected her to be the 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 brains of the outfit, right? Like suddenly, the all the intelligence from the snow globe is now in the ice lady, and she's uh, really smart and scary, and they have to outwit her and and melt her in some way, right, to, in order to win. And instead, she just sort of has a catchphrase that you know she repeats over and over again, which um, stolen from Punch. And you know, Stephen Moffat does that with villains, right? They 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 repeat catchphrases over and over again, and and. Uh, and so we get that here, and she's in a force field for a while, and then she's in a cloud trapped for a while, and then she shockingly, you know, pulls Clara off the cloud, but shatters into a million pieces. Doesn't seem very smart. And then the doctor like sweeps her up with a TARDIS so that they can't use the pieces. I don't know that part. That's where that's actually where it came apart for me. Where I was really hoping, um, you know, there was such a menace when she was in the in the ice uh, behind the house. That this once this thing got out, oh, watch out then, and then really, you didn't need to. I think I think we've learned that Doctor Who, like in so many other cases, you know, villains and scary things are much better when left to the imagination than when turned into a concrete sort of. Right, you know. I would I, I would have rather had the uh, had the ice nanny, you know, not get, not come out and be like, oh geez, the really bad thing is about to come out, and then them stop it. But once it's revealed, and it's like, yeah, it's a it's Mary Poppins covered in ice. <laughs> Yay! I see Mary Yay. Poppins. It also Mary dilutes Poppins, scary the. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, we've we've got the uh, we've got the umbrella, which I thought was a nice a nice nod to Mary Poppins. Um, I really thought that the appearance of the ice nanny diluted the wonderful moment that Clara has with her charges when she's telling them about the doctor and the, there's a man who lives in a castle on a cloud. Uh, it, that's such a poignant moment and really describes a lot about the doctor. And I feel like, all right, we're going to start telling the story. Hey, I have bad dreams. Well, he's on vacation right now, but he's coming back to save us. And then in, Instead of a triumphant Doctor Who moment, we get, hey, scary ice lady. Okay. Yeah. Very strange. Um, and, and unfortunate that, that uh, I, I don't know what you'd have to do. I mean, obviously, I think they need to advance the story along, and that was the most important part. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was, yeah. That 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 fell short for me. I mean, I didn't like, I didn't mind the snow globe stuff, and 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 in fact, the fairy tale aspect of the. Uh, um, the whole uh, the family is crying thing was it was fine. It was a Deus Ex Machina, but okay. But the Ice Nanny just sort of didn't work at at all. It felt like they. It seemed like they felt like they needed to spend their special effects budget. Yeah, 
Yeah, I guess. Although they didn't have that much because she didn't look that great either. I just I, I, I expected I a more menacing all, thing. I didn't think it was a big budget. I guess kids might be terrified by a nanny that's made out of a mean nanny that's been reanimated out of a block of ice. But you know, who who among us can't relate to that? Um, we should talk about the um the trailer at the end. Did people see the trailer at the end? Yes. 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 So, um. Glimpses of lots of stuff in there, and that I thought was interesting. There's some ghoulish kind of monsters. There, there are redesigned Cybermen in there, which is from Neil Gaiman's episode, which is coming up. Yay! There's a submarine. Did you see the submarine, yes. Dan? I think you like. Do, I don't. It, do I do like, like submarines. submarines. I'm a fan of submarines. I thought you were. They go, they go underneath the marine. That's right. It's better underneath the marina. Yeah. It's way better there. There's fish down there. Yeah, I don't know. It went by. I only got a chance to watch it once because we were watching it on DVR, and so I didn't. I, I didn't. And then sort of jumped right into the podcast, so I didn't get a chance to like zapruder it. Yeah. Doesn't I saw Oz or uh, Clara, whatever the hell we're calling her, yeah. holding a gun. Yeah. Or a spate ray, ray gun of some sort. I don't know. I was paying attention to see if her hairstyles and or clothing was dramatically changed in between appearances, just in case it we were like getting. Didn't it seem like they showed her some other pictures of her in Victorian dress? Yeah, they do show a couple of her from the future episode and from the past episode, but I think we're going to be sticking with present Clara for a while, or at least mm. it seems to look that way from the previews. Once we meet her. Yes, although then again, <laughs> we may just get her for one or two episodes, and then we do get quite a few people being like, this is a very interesting creature you've picked up. Who is this girl? Right. So right. it, it's clear that some of the season, or at least this first half, will definitely be set on just just who or what is Clara and why is the universe treating her in such a fashion. Right. I think so. Yeah, you know, Stephen Moffat's had some success with story arcs like this and some some not success with story arcs like this. But if they keep if they tell interesting stories and then they have this going on in the background as to who this person is and 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 why she's there, that that could be interesting, you know, leading up presumably to a season finale that has shocking revelations and, you know, we've seen that before. It's all going to come down to the details and what kind of stories that they're telling in this last uh this last half of this this set of episodes, I, it's getting confusing about what a season is with Doctor Who because this year the Christmas specials in the middle and they're doing the anniversary in the fall and nobody knows what form that's going to take. So I don't know. There's whatever five five more episodes, six more episodes to come. So we'll see. Any other thoughts about uh, Christmas and and uh, and Doctor Who? I I'm I'm actually you know. Feeling after again after feeling kind of burned by the this season in general, I'm feeling cautiously optimistic that there might be some good stuff ahead. Um, yeah, I don't know. I liked I liked the tone of this episode. It brought me back to you know loving Doctor Who because it was fun and outrageous, and you know the Doctor is a larger than life hero, uh, and so I kind of like the idea of a fresh start with a new companion and some new mysteries new friends all that good stuff so i'm looking forward to it yeah good to be out from the crushing kind of end of the pond uh story arc i mean i loved i loved amy and rory where it started it just it got it got too much too fast i felt like got ponderous <laughs> uh-huh. oh, oh, oh. that's my job there's not enough room for two of us making 
ponderous pond. Oh. Scott, oh. I thought you were going to say that the uh, pond had frozen over. Ah. I don't get that. Wow. Well, it was in the episode. There was an ice nanny. In it. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> Scott, there were detectives in this episode. This is right up your alley. And vintage it's detectives. True. I do like Victorian detectives. Yeah. I, overall, it was a fun episode, you know. I just. L- uh, Lizard Lady. Had some issues. Centauran, hmm? lizard ladies, centauran butt, lizard butler. ladies. Those are good. Yeah. And I think I, I like Dan. I, it left me hopeful for the rest of the season because I feel like it is uh, going to involve a st- like an overarching story arc that will be a little more interesting than the kind of the one-off like random right. episodes that we've been getting. So right. robot cowboy, sorry, cyborg cowboy, going <laughs> through. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I, that's the way I think Doctor Who does that best, like having these kind of grand, overarching things, and I think that's been missing. So hopefully, it'll come back. And Ren, how about you? Uh, I, I think. I mean, I'm from what I've been saying on the podcast. I rather liked watching it. I thought it was a good Christmas special. I am curious to see what they will do with Clara, and I, I like the idea that oh, it's someone who is sort of stuck in time, but not in the way that River Song is traveling and stuck in time. Uh, I love the idea of introducing a new fold and a new character because as much as I love Alex Kingston and as lo- much as I love River Song, I think we that needs to take a back step, especially because the pawns are gone. So yeah. hopefully, you know, it's it's nice to have something new that we don't know all the mysteries to that isn't just another, the doctor is dangerous and needs to be put down. Uh, I will, I, I await the rest of the season with high hopes and in high curiosity. Uh, having a new story is good, right? I mean, David Tennant did a year with Billy Piper and then he got to have the year with, uh, with, with Freema Agamemnon and then, uh, you know, and then after that got to have, uh, the wonderful year with, uh, the Dr. Donna, right? <laughs> Uh, and Matt Smith, we've he's been lashed to, for better or worse to Amy Bond for two years, uh, two and a half years, right? So it's time, <laughs> it's time for new stories for him. I think it's as much as I like the the like Rory and Amy, it's time for new stories, and uh, it has a chance to to let Matt Smith's whole kind of storyline progress and be different and interesting and see him with uh, interacting with other people and i think that's really good i think that's i think there's potential there i mean we may all be suckers right and be like oh yeah sign me up i'm I'm more excited about it but the fact is they were struggling to produce a good episode in this fall so it's good to see one that was at least uh fun and light and not clouded with the whole story arc of of amy and rory leaving for once yes all right. Okay. Well, I think I think we're going to close up the Flash podcast and uh, mail it uh, over the internet to how do these podcasts work again? I don't know. I press the button here; it comes out there. Um, so I hope everybody out there had a good holiday and enjoyed Doctor Who and enjoyed listening to us uh, talk about it a little bit. And uh, uh, so I would like to thank my companions for Christmas <laughs> night every year. For the last couple of years, uh, Dan, thank you for for uh, sharing some of your Christmas with uh, with the incomparable. Thanks for having me, Doctor Snell. <laughs> That's my father. I am merely <laughs> I am merely host Snell. Awkward. 
uh, Scott McNulty, thank you for being here. I'm sorry that you're you're a you're a, a semi alone fellow again for Christmas. I hope we warmed your heart and your hearth metaphorically. Uh, well, I'm not alone. There are like five snowmen behind me, so I'm sure <laughs> yes. that's fine. Don't turn around. Don't think of, think about the melting, Scott. That's right. Or or cry. The salty tears. Or cry exactly. Your, your tears when we hang we, up should we, be we're enough. We're in a new era of 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 Doctor Who where he just defeats all his enemies by crying. By crying. The My power secret, of the tear. I'm always crying. Yeah. Matt Smith really wants that. <laughs> and uh, and Ren, uh, thank you for being here too. Of course. It's a tradition. It is. It is a tradition. It's very nice. I'm glad that you guys could take the time on Christmas night. All the presents are open. You know, everything's been... The trees have been set on fire and thrown in a wood chipper. And Is that just me? Well, okay. I was told it was a tradition. Anyway, uh, it's been great. So thanks, everybody, uh, again, and happy holidays. And we will be back... Uh, later we'll be back should we say next year maybe it's next year now is it let's let me check the calendar it is we'll be back next year the future in the future i will have my flying car (laughs) that's right still no flying cars no jetpacks all right i ordered i ordered one it didn't come all right thus ends the incomparable flash goodbye everybody